It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. It's all finished at Stamford Bridge. Arsenal, yes, Arsenal have won at Stamford Bridge. Mikel Arteta has got the Gunners all three points. Obviously, the players contributed too. But Mikel Arteta has come away from Stamford Bridge with all three points. Now, prior to this season, Arsenal hadn't won a game at one of the big six away from home since 2015. And we've done it twice this season. We've won at United and we've won at Chelsea. Now, before we get into this podcast, right, I've got to say, I'm not changing my view on Mikel Arteta and the fact that I probably don't think he's the right man. Um, or that the job is too big for him, or that he needs to kind of reprove it to me that he is the right man and deserves our trust. But credit where credit is due. You know, if we're going to sit here every time Arsenal fail and, and dig out the manager and dig out the players and question his tactics and question his style, then equally, when he gets it right, we've got to give him credit. And I want to give him credit tonight because I talked about it earlier on today. You know, I talked about the possibility of Mikel Arteta potentially um, changing it up, potentially looking to match Thomas Tuchel's system. And I said that personally, I wouldn't do it. When the team news came out and I started the live watch along, I said, personally, I wouldn't have done it. But I stand corrected because it did contribute to Arsenal getting a result tonight. Now, people will say, you know, we were lucky. And and we'll come on to talk about some of the individual moments in a minute. and yeah, we did get a bit of the rub of the green. But, you know, you can say that Mikel Arteta's changing system contributed to Arsenal getting all three points without saying that he's the best manager in the world and you want him to stay here forever. Like, it, it is okay to be Mikel Arteta out, but to give him praise for the decision that he took tonight and the impact that that decision had. I think that Mikel Arteta has improved us in some ways. And one of those ways is we've become more competitive against the bigger sides because we have. You know, we went to Old Trafford earlier this season and we won. We went to Chelsea and we won. And as I said, you know, prior to this season, we hadn't done that against any of the big six. Um, You know, we, we hadn't done that since 2015. So for that, he deserves some praise. For that, he deserves some credit. I think the the fact that he changed a few bits around uh, helped certain players uh, to feel more comfortable, more at home. And we'll come on to talk about uh, in the, with, about some individuals now. And of course, we'll be bringing you a tactical breakdown of the game tomorrow, in which we'll go into it in a little bit more detail. But let's start with, with the decision to play with a back three. And I talked earlier on about the 
the idea of playing Pablo Marie and Gabriel together. You know, Mikel Arteta has been very reluctant to do that, particularly in a back two. He doesn't seem to like the idea of playing two left-footed centre-backs or two right-footed centre-backs, etc., etc. He threw them both in in a three, and I actually thought that Gabriel looked a little bit out of place there. He was expected to kind of pull wide, to get on the ball, to play passes into midfield a lot more than he normally would be. You know, normally when Gabriel is in the side, if everybody's fit, it is normally alongside David Luiz. And when he is um, alongside David Luiz, David Luiz is normally the one that takes control of possession, the one that looks to play those progressive passes, the one that looks to move the ball out of the defence. So I think Gabriel probably struggled a little bit on the left side of that back three with the ball at his feet. Um, but on the other side, you've got to say that Rob Holding looked brilliant. I, I thought that Rob Holding had a really good game tonight. And if you cast your mind back to, to some of the best Rob Holding performances in an Arsenal shirt, you'll find that most of them have come with Rob Holding playing on the right side of a back three. He seems to find that position easier. He seems to thrive on it. It seems to suit his game that little bit more. So, yeah, I think he was one of the players who really benefited from it. Did Thomas Partey benefit from, from having the back three behind him? And then Mohamed Elneny, somebody I talked about in the preview to the game, and I said that he is somebody that should play alongside Thomas Partey because of the tactical discipline or positional discipline that he brings to the table. Again, I didn't think Thomas Partey was great tonight. You know, he gave the ball away on a number of occasions, really sloppily, actually. So did Mohamed Elneny. But the point is that positionally, the pair of them were much better off. Um, you know, they, they were much better off alongside one another rather than having Danny Sabas in there. I still think that Arsenal's best midfield pairing is Xhaka and Partey. But obviously Xhaka's unavailable. And so we were kind of forced into that and, and we have to we had to play this way. But it worked better, didn't it? The kind of experiment of playing like Tierney on the left and and Saka on the right of a kind of midfield four, a bit like Chelsea play, or exactly like Chelsea play, because that's what Mikel did tonight. He tried to mirror them. I thought it looked okay in Tierney's case. I didn't think it worked for Bukayo Saka, though. You know, particularly when you're playing against a side stronger than you and you're gonna do a lot of defending. You know, Bukayo Saka isn't one for tackles. He isn't one for blocks. He isn't one for defensive positioning. I know there was a big sort of thing about him playing at left back and, and that he's done that so well. And, and he's done that well for somebody who doesn't play in that position. But Bukayo Saka is an attacker for me. And I think when you play him in those defensive positions, if you play against top quality opposition, which Chelsea are, you will come unstuck. Uh, Odegaard and Smith Rowe played in a quite, kind of strange role tonight, you know, slightly more infield, but we're tucking in either side of, of Partey and um, and uh, El Nenny every time Arsenal were without the ball, making it uh, even more of a sort of solid back line. You would see Tierney and Saka drop into that back and the defensive make it a back five. And then you had uh, Smith Rowe and Odegaard dropping in like a right and left midfielder. So you essentially had a 5-4-1. Um, I thought Odegaard was a little bit wasteful when he got the ball in some in some decent areas, but Emil Smith Rowe was was absolutely sensational tonight. Um, you know, we're talking about a young kid who is just progressing week after week after week. I don't, you know, 
I do worry about Emil Smith Rowe because of the way he breaks down so frequently, because of his injury problems. And I really hope that that doesn't come to bite him in the arse or, or cause him uh, to miss out on fulfilling the potential that he has, because there's so much potential in Emil Smith Rowe. I'm a huge, huge fan of his. And uh, again, really enjoyed his performance tonight. Had defensive work to do, did that well also, um, which is a testament to his attitude, because often when we talk about these number 10s or advanced midfield players. They're often luxury players. And so to have one who is so technical, so graceful when in possession, has excellent vision, and to be able to put in the shift and to work back and help out and and do all the ugly things is incredible. So brilliant uh, to see Emil Smith-Rowe performing once again. I want to talk a little bit about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang because... um, I thought he did all right tonight. You know, he, uh, for most of the game, he was chasing shadows. He was playing as a lone striker in a team that had very little possession. I think we'd managed around about 30% uh, possession. So, you know, to, to be alive in the situation that occurred um, where he reacted f- quickly to, to Kepa's save after Jorginho's back pass to get there and then to have the presence of mind not to snatch at it to realise that Emil Smith-Rowe was inside you and pick him out um, was brilliant from Aubameyang. When his moment came, he stepped up and he delivered an assist. He delivered a goal essentially on a plate uh, for Emil Smith-Rowe after it was delivered on a plate for him uh, by a combination of uh, Jorginho and Kepa Aretha Balaga. So I thought Aubameyang did okay as well. At times, I maybe would have wanted him to press a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive in that sense. But for the most part, I thought he did okay. Um, but then he spoiled it for me when he reacted like an absolute child when he was substituted. I mean, your team's already winning the game, right? It's not like Arsenal were chasing a goal and he's decided to hook you. The way he did against Villarreal, the way he hooked him there, if Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang reacted in the way he reacted tonight, I'd have had no issues with it whatsoever. But I don't get the reaction tonight. I don't get why he looks so disappointed. I don't get why he looks so pissed off. He was clearly blowing out of his ass at that point in the game. He was shattered. He was tired. He's been recovering from malaria. So I don't have any issues um, with that decision from Arteta. And I'm not sure why Aubameyang had an issue. But it's another kind of shining light on the fact, um, you know, that that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's attitude is, is not quite right. I, I don't think it's right. And and Texas Gunner says in the chat, um, a child. So we don't want our star players to be pissed off when getting subbed. We need that, Harry. No more pussies. I'm good with it. It's not... You can be pissed off, right? You can be pissed off with being substituted without making a public show of it. Done it many times. Now, I played football to a pretty decent level when I was taken off in games where I didn't want to be taken off and was frustrated. I know this is a different kettle of fish. I'm not comparing my football career to uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's. But the point I'm trying to make here is, as a captain, for me, you've got to show leadership. You should be, as you're walking off the pitch, you should be encouraging every single one of those young players and senior players, every single one of those players around you, you should make a point as you're walking off the pitch. Come on, guys. Stay focused. You know, give them that encouragement. You're the captain. You're the leader of the side. That's what I want to see from my captain. Go around as you're walking off the pitch and rally your troops because they were moments away from pulling off a really excellent result, a really impressive result, and one that we desperately needed. 
And instead, he drops his head, sulks and walks off the pitch like an absolute child. I, I, for me, that just doesn't sit right. It doesn't sit right. And it's not just that, right? It's a combination of things with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang this season that have led to me sort of getting, you know, this frustrated and wound up by his actions. I think as a captain, you have a responsibility when the game state is the way it was to encourage, to um, to G people up, to um, to push people on, to, to show a leadership. You might be pissed off inside that you're coming off, but for me, you've got to keep that under wraps. You know, throw your shirt on the floor when you get in the changing room where no one can see it. I don't know. It didn't it didn't sit well with me. And I'm sure there'll be more to come off the back of that. I'm sure there'll be stories written about it over the next few days. But yeah, it, you know, we've we've been debating all season, haven't we? If he's captain material. And that for me does, is not what you get from captain material. Obviously, Arsenal's goal came from, um, you know, a, a slice of fortune. You know, Jorginho rarely misplaces a pass. And this time he did. And when Kepa went scrambling across his goal and it came to... Um, and it came to Aubameyang, as I said, you know, credit where it's due. He picked out Emil Smith-Rowe, who scuffed the shot, by the way, uh, but still managed to find uh, the bottom corner after it come off the post. Brilliant. And Arsenal were in front. And people will talk about Arsenal being extremely lucky tonight. I think other than Chelsea hitting the woodwork sort of back to back on that sort of little bit of play, um, you know, it did, um, you know, it, it did probably feel a lot less comfortable than it was because at the time you're nervous. I think when you watch it back, when you watch match of the day, when you watch the highlights, actually Chelsea didn't really do a great deal. They didn't really have many shots on target. They didn't really force Berlino into many saves. He made a couple in the first half and then he made a really good save from that Zuma header, which was the first time they hit the, the bar. But I think that overall um, Arsenal defended quite well. And as I said, right at the top of the program, we slag off Mikel Arteta all the time. When he makes questionable selection decisions, when he toys around with the system, we're the first people to get on his back and say that's wrong. And I'm not changing my view, which is currently that Mikel Arteta was probably a little bit out of his depth here based on one night, based on one result, based on a result against the Chelsea side who made seven changes. But what I will say is that um, if you're going to slag him off when it goes wrong, you got to give him praise when it's due. You've got to be fair. And that's all we're trying to do here is be fair in our assessment of things. And to be fair, the change of system allowed us to be more defensively sound and therefore allowed us to compete and therefore allowed us to get all three points and take three points away from Stamford Bridge. And we haven't won there in donkeys. So we'll take it. And I'm absolutely delighted. What else? Uh, what else should we kind of sort of touch on? You know, I, I think that it's it's really after a game. You know, you want to just kind of react with emotion, and I'm trying to kind of pick out what I believe to be sort of really key points. And and I think that it's you know it's a style of play or it's a, a game plan that won't earn you plaudits. It's a, a an approach to football that I in myself have been um, critical of when other managers have done it. 
But I guess you can kind of look, you can accept a more negative defensive style of play when you play teams that are clearly superior to you. And Chelsea are clearly superior to Arsenal at this moment in time. You can't accept it so much when you're playing kind of mid-table, bottom of the table dross. I know we're mid-table this season, but you know what I mean. So, look, the win takes Arsenal up into eighth. There's three points between us and West Ham in fifth. I know West Ham have got a game in hand, but they lose that. You never know. And we got Palace and Brighton in our last couple of games. So there is a chance that Arsenal could sneak into Europe. And if we do, it'll be absolutely fantastic. It would be a positive ending to what's been a really negative season. European qualification is a minimum as far as Arsenal are concerned. And so we're not going to be jumping up and down and having parades about it. But given where we were, I'll take it. And, and you know, like I said, look, I don't expect people to change their, their view on Mikel Arteta. I'm not even changing my view. So it would be stupid of me to expect you to. But the point I want to make here is that just bloody enjoy it. If, if as Arsenal fans, we cannot enjoy a victory at Chelsea our London rivals who have had the upper hand over us, particularly at Stamford Bridge, for years and years and years. What is the point in being a football fan? What is the point in supporting Arsenal Football Club? We're going to talk about the tactical bits tomorrow on the Tactical Analysis Show. So tune in at Friday lunchtime for that one. And we'll be bringing you that. And we'll be looking at it in a little bit more depth, in a little bit more detail and trying to work out exactly how um, Arsenal managed to level the playing field a bit by making those changes. That's what I do. Um, I will watch the game back again in the morning before I do that show for all my sins. But what I'm saying here is just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Just be happy. Um, It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, if you give Mikel Arteta credit tonight, and you give Arsenal credit tonight, it doesn't mean that you're happy with the overall state of things. You just take this one night in isolation and enjoy it. Simple as that. Simple as that. I think that Thomas Tuchel has sort of been speaking post-match. I've not seen what Mikel Arteta said yet because we jumped live on the stream, but uh, from what I saw, Thomas Tuchel was taking it on the chin. He he, he criticised his team, said he felt like the... um, the, the the level of intensity had dropped. He said that he probably saw it coming in training. And he also said um, that he's probably to blame because he made so many changes. Chelsea made a lot of bloody changes. And um, I can see this this debate in the chat is, is raging on, you know, uh, Inter says, be happy, how? Just for tonight, just for an hour, just smile, just enjoy it. Just be happy because we beat Chelsea. That's That's all my point is. You know, yes, it doesn't wipe away all our problems. It shouldn't paper over any of the cracks. But it is um, three points, and it's three points away to to Chelsea, and it's three points that we should be pretty pleased with ourselves about. Just a quick reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. So if you are in need of um, some tender, loving care in that particular area, Uh, and you want to address it, especially now with lockdown lifting here in the UK, then get over to manscaped.com, enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you'll get 20% off of your order, as well as free shipping. And you can stand to save yourself a fair chunk of money. Uh, So please do check it out. In doing so, you'll be supporting the podcast too, which is always uh, very welcomed. 
Um, I can see there's over 250 of you watching us across the multiple platforms at the moment. I'm going to set a target on the likes because we've only got 47 likes. And I was told by Rory, I was assured by Chelsea Rory yesterday uh, when he joined me on the channel. Rory's an expert on YouTube. Um, that setting a target for the likes is the way to go. So I'm going to set that target now. I want to get to 100 likes by the time we finish this stream. We're halfway there. We're just shy of 50. So let's get to 100 likes. If you haven't done it already, stop being a freeloader. Hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if you're new. There's a few questions uh, in the chat, and let's start working our way through them. Uh, Dylan says, uh, what were your thoughts on Saka at right wing back tonight? And do you think this is a system Arteta will implement more frequently in the future? I didn't really like it with Bukayo Saka. I didn't think it worked. I think it's tough for Saka because... He's kind of in this position where every single week he's having to adapt his game. You know, last weekend he played at left back. Tonight he played at right wing back. Next game he'll probably play right wing or left wing. It's just, or maybe number 10. You know, it's, I've got a lot of sympathy for Bukayo Saka and I feel like as talented and as versatile as he is, what you don't want is him to become a bit of an Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And I know he's more talented than Ainsley Maitland-Niles and I know he's at a different level. But there's a there's a danger, there's a threat that when you are that versatile, you can become a jack of all trades and a master of none. And I don't want that to happen to Bukayo Saka because I think he's too good um, to sort of to sort of force him into being that utility man. So I didn't really like it. Um, as I said earlier in the show, I thought there were times where his defending left a lot to be desired. And you know, when you're playing at home against West Brom and you stick him in at left back, you probably get away with that. You don't get away with that at Stamford Bridge, though, in a game where you're not going to have much possession and you're going to be pinned back for large periods. So I didn't think it it really worked. I think the system overall worked and it helped us and it helped the back three to cope. Um, Rob Holding turned into prime Fabio Cannavaro off the back of that system switch. But in terms of, of Bukayo Saka, no, I, I didn't really think it worked, if I'm honest. Um what else have we got? Um, Tosin says, of course, most of us enjoyed the satisfaction of doing the double over Chelsea, but the state of the club is so porous. I don't see how we can spin it amongst us fans. No, I'm not. I'm not saying to, to spin the overall narrative. I, I just. I question what the point is in supporting Arsenal Football Club or what the point is in supporting any football club if you can't enjoy victory. If you're going to suffer the losses, if you're going to suffer the defeats, if you're going to take those on the chin and be miserable about them for days, why is having a smile on your face for one hour after a game against uh, Chelsea, who could end up being European champions this season, who are close to winning the FA Cup, who are going to qualify for the Champions League next season. If you can't enjoy a win like that away from home, I question what, what you're watching football for. And it's not directly at you, Tosin. In, in, it's in general. I, I don't I don't get it. I, I don't get why you can be miserable about a defeat for months, but you can't smile about a win for an hour. Because we're literally live, right, less than an hour after the full-time whistle. So I want to see people just be a little bit more happy with it. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, ben Russell says, Harry, thoughts on Odegaard now? He's played more games. I said it on the show earlier today, Ben. Um, the more I watch Martin Odegaard in an Arsenal shirt, the more I'm not sure that spending a, a significant proportion of our transfer budget is the right thing to do with regards to him. 
I, I you know, I kind of jumped on the hype train a little bit earlier on. There was a, a run of games where he was really, really good. And I thought, yeah, th- this guy's a baller and we, we've got to do what we can to keep him. And if it means doing a deal now, then you do it. And if it means going out on a limb to get it done and just pushing that boundary in terms of finance, then you do it. I'm not saying I definitely wouldn't sign him. And Arsenal as a club, Mikel Arteta as a manager, is is obviously in a much better position to make that call because he watches him in training every day. Since his injury, he's not been anywhere near as good. I don't know how much of that is, is having an impact, but I'm still on the fence about Martin Odegaard is my, my honest answer to that. Um, da, da, da. Uh, Luke Williams has a question about the full-time um, comments from Mikel Arteta where he's talking about his comments about his players maybe being re- misrepresented. I'll I'll address that on tomorrow's podcast because, as I say, came live immediately after. I haven't watched uh, Mikel Arteta's interview yet, but I will uh, before my head hits the pillow tonight, I will watch that uh, press conference, the full press conference and the post-match interview. Uh, and so I'll be in a much better position on the next edition of the show uh, to talk about that. Sam says, would you take finishing above Spurs but being in the Conference League or not finishing above Spurs and not going in the Conference League? I think I probably I have to think about it. Look, obviously I want to finish above Spurs, right? And it's great fun and it's great banter and all of that. But I feel like the Europa Conference is just going to be a hindrance for us. Um, I appreciate the the significance of being in Europe and what it means financially for the club and how that um, has a positive impact and how that could even help us in the transfer window that is just around the corner. But the issue here is that if we're going to trim down the squad in the summer, and by that I mean continue to get rid of Deadwood, we're going to have to we're gonna need we're gonna have less players. And if you've got less games, having less players is not as big of an issue. So on that basis, I would rather probably be without it. Because I'd rather we go we get rid of Deadwood and we bring in three players of a really high standard than we go and bring in six of an average standard. Six of six players that might work out and um, and maybe won't. So I think the rebuild will be easier if you need a smaller squad and being without European football allows you to have a smaller squad without it having such a detrimental effect. So um, I think I'd probably just just take the the um, missing out on the Europa Conference. I, I don't know, man. I've never seen this is its first season. The, you know, next season will be its first season. The Europa Conference, who knows what it's going to be like? I mean, how can you downgrade even further on the Europa League group stages. I don't know, but there you go. Joss says, is this our strongest lineup? Not for me. Um, not for me. I think that David Lewis in that back three would be would be great. Um, you know, I think David Lewis in the middle of that back three would, would probably do a better job than Pablo Marie. Um, who was also okay for the most part tonight, had a decent game, made a couple of errors. But I thought when I thought Pablo Marie got better when Giroud came on, he found it a lot easier to deal with him than he did with Kai Havertz, I think. So, no, I don't think this was quite our strongest lineup. Um, you know, I'd, I'd prefer Xhaka in midfield alongside Partey, and I'd probably prefer David Luiz 
in the heart of that back line as well, just to name a few. I'd probably not play Bukayo Saka either at the, in the position that he did tonight. Um, maybe I'd leave Odegaard out and play him further forward. Um, also like Nicolas Pepe as well, but it's all dependent on the system, isn't it? So let's see. Uh, Robin says, uh, Arsenal currently third if we started the league on December 26th. Were the toxic players the problem or can we do better with the manager? I think it's a bit of both. And I don't really want to read into that whole, you know, short, um, short-term view. I don't really want to get caught up in that. I, I don't really want to get to a place where we're uh, looking back and, and we're going, oh, but we definitely improved because we were good between this period of time. The, the fact is football is a, is a long season. The season starts in August and it ends in May. And you've got to be at a level all the way through that. You know, that's that's how I see it. Uh, there's a really kind super chat from Innie. Apologies, mate. I missed this a little bit earlier on, so I will jump back to it. It says, Harry, can 3-5-2 ever be expansive as much as defensively solid? Um, I think it can. Um, I think it can, but I think it is a system that is geared more to the defensive side of the game. So I think you can be expansive playing that way, but then that would mean you taking risks. It means often one of your centre-backs joining in with the midfield. It means your wing-backs playing like wingers rather than wing-backs. Um, you know, it it can be done, and I think we've seen teams do it in the past, but I do think overall, sort of as a general rule of thumb, it is more... Um, it is more of a defensive system for sure. Um, as Marshall says in the chat, get some more likes in. Come on, there's plenty of you watching us right now. Let's get um, let's get those likes up. Are we on our target of 100 yet? Let me have a quick check-in. Um, it would be my luck that when I want to check in, my phone takes ages to load up. We're on 94. We're just six away. So get those likes in. Uh, between now and the end of the stream. It'll be very, very much appreciated. I am going to leave it there tonight um, for our post-match reaction. Look, as I said, plenty to analyse in a little bit more detail, and I'll be analysing it tomorrow on our tactical analysis show live on Friday at lunchtime. So come and join me for that. The podcast version will be out immediately after that as well. Uh, so come and join me for that. But initial thoughts, it ain't great. Um at Arsenal, we weren't great tonight. Maybe we rode our luck at times. In fact, we did ride our luck at times. But but if you can't enjoy a win at Stamford Bridge against high-flying Chelsea, then what the hell are you watching this game for? Enjoy it at least for the night. And um, I'm sure uh, we'll get a stark reminder very soon of actually where Arsenal find themselves. And uh, we'll be back to being miserable again. So why not enjoy the positivity? I'll catch you all very, very soon. Uh, thank you to everybody who's tuned in. Thank you to everybody who's hit the like button, everybody who's subscribed, everybody who's a member. And thank you to everybody who joined me for the live watch along. It is very much appreciated. Uh, keep your notifications on. That way you don't miss any content. And uh, soon, very soon, I'm going to be revealing some plans ahead of next season where we're going to be taking the Chronicles of Aguna up to an even higher level. Uh, so I look forward uh, to doing that. So um look forward to speaking to you all about it. And I'll be getting some of your input and some of your thoughts uh, in the way of some polls as we uh, continue with those plans. But thank you all very much. And I'll catch you all tomorrow. Until then, ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast.
I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.